getting to a startup is exciting, but it's also scary. Like when I did it myself, when I was the actual founder, the owner, the CEO of the company responsible for everything and all the money and how you build the product and scale goes in, it becomes scary. Uh, you're no longer that right-hand person because you always have somebody taking care of it. You are that person. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, founded and grown several companies, so seven and eight figure businesses, as well as founded Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And uh, as usual, we have another great guest on today's episode. Um, and I, I feel like I always, or intro, and I always slaughter everybody's name, so apparently it must be something with me, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> oh, Sharif uh, Rahman, is that close? Shafir, close. Shafir. I thought yeah. that, and I, when we, before we jumped on, I'm like, I think it's just a Sharif, and then you told me Shafir, and then I went back to Sharif. Anyway, so. Yeah, Shafir, no worries. So, um, so uh, Shafir, not Sharif, is uh, is uh, been in startups for a while. Um, has done that in various startups over the past 15 years. And as you can maybe tell by when he starts talking, his current startup is on uh, Chatterworks, and he'll tell you a little bit more about that. Lives in Orange County, where they have the, the land of the lockdowns, and so you also get to deal with that as you also are dealing with all, or trying to run the business and keep the startup going. So um, that's a very brief intro to your uh, background. We'll talk a little bit more, but welcome onto the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So I jumped in, does you have a very high level and cursory overview, but maybe if you want to walk us through a bit of your journey that you've taken and uh, what led you to where you're at today, and we can uh, dialogue from there. Yeah, sure. So for the past, you know, I've worked at big companies earlier on, um, and, and, you know, I've never, you know, I always felt like I was missing something at the big companies, right? You're just like so siloed and focused. And, and uh, when I finally got my first opportunity at some uh, earlier startups, I mean, they're just, I mean... I've been through stuff that just really didn't work out and, and things that have been great successes over the time. Uh, I started got this taste for startups and then I got a feel for doing a little bit of everything in each one of those. So then it got me into like, okay, cool. So how do I find a role that lets me do a little bit of everything, which is fun. And that's the, you know, the startup operations role. So then I started getting into really focused into getting a, applying for startup ops jobs, you know, head of operations, CEO, or even just early stage, just operations, right? When they don't do titles, they just call you operations. <laughs> they, like a lot of startups, they're like, ah, we don't, we're all flat. So we're just going to call it operations. This guy sells, this guy's engineering, there's no titles. Uh, so I got, I got really interested, you know, startups and then working with uh, startups, I got venture funding was a whole new twist too. So I've worked with some startups that were like completely bootstrapped, which was the biggest challenge, right? You can't do anything when you're bootstrapped. Uh, but then when you get into VC, uh, VC funding, it's like, oh, wow, we get to go hire a bunch of people. We get to go try new marketing things. We get to do, we get mm -hmm. new intros from the VCs and so forth. So it's been fun. So the last like seven, eight years, you know, I would say, over here, I started really having some real fun with startups uh, with a company called uh, Airware. Uh, they were here in Newport. Uh, they went through the Y. I joined them right as they entered the Y Combinator. They exited the Y Combinator a few months later in Demo Day. Got some funding from like uh, Jason Horowitz and Google. Uh, and then right, eventually, so I, I have a feeling we're jumping over like 20 years of your life. And we... <laughs> well, because because I'll, 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 I figured we'd dive into it more. But the previous stuff was just a bunch of little things that I was trying 
that uh, that just uh, to get a feel for my career, right? So over the last like eight, ten years is where it really like really formed. <laughs> all right, I just didn't want to I didn't want to jump or lose or lose all the interesting facts of where you or what led you up today without jumping in. So all right, so we'll 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 fast forward to the 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 last or ten years ago and start from there. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So so what really led me today, right? If you look at across building all these scaling all these startups, your your biggest challenge is hiring the team, right? Whether you're bootstrapped or you have venture funding, no matter what you look at it you need a team you need good people to help you get to the next level and so that's always been a passion of mine trying to figure out how do you get that best team how do you hire that best team what do you need to poach talent and how do you talk them into your startup or new company and leave what they're at now and so forth mm -hmm. uh so you know we did that like i said from like a last day yeah probably like 10 years right we went from um um I consulted for various startups. There was a core water bottle company out here in uh, uh, Lisa Viejo. Uh, they had a spinoff of uh, the other, the founder of core was an apparel company called Ivy sports where they did uh, all the all Ivy league clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I helped there, uh, helped them set up their e-commerce and so forth and go and then help them try and find the initial team, but they had a pretty solid team. We're just focused on e-commerce and growth. So that's what we kind of, we focus on getting some engineers to help build their e-commerce out. Uh, then I moved on to uh, Airware, which was uh, a commercial drone company here. Uh, I think that was in really quick. So, you know, you, and you've done it. It sounds like were these startups you were working with as your full-time job or you working for them or was it on the side as a side hustle or how did that they're work? All, they're, those were like, uh, those smaller ones are like side hustles. Uh, so they were, they're hoping we can get them big enough to where we can become a permanent hustle. <laughs> but, but uh, that's where a lot of learning happened, right? You get a, you get a, figure out all these intricacies between, I think there's so many different types of founders out there too, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge when you have founders and uh, some are just stuck in their own ways and some, some believe they're kind of happy status quo. Uh, and that's these early stage startups where bootstrapped, they don't want to spend some money. And uh, that's kind of where you kind of push hard. And I realized like, hey, that probably wasn't for me because I'm not happy status quo. I want to grow, 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 grow. Um, and, and build a team and be really successful and, and do that stuff. So as you're doing that, so these were side hustles. What were you doing as your main hustle or your, your source of income during that time? Uh, so my source of income, I had various back then, various like uh, normal full-time kind of jobs. Uh, so it would be, whether it be like a, um, kind of like head of support at a company <laughs> or something like that, where I started building up my uh, startup hustle, I, to believe it or not, I went into the startup hustle more of, I probably helped probably say like six startups and made that my entire job. So I just take a little bit from each one. Mm. Um, and that would become like my full-time job. Uh, I wasn't really happy working at those, you know, desk jobs where you're butt in seat eight to five. Mm. Uh, and that's what really made me take on and start really figuring out how to get into startups. And this was over 10 years ago, right? When that all happened. And then I started just, okay, maybe I can consult at a few and that'll cover what I need for now for my full-time income and have fun helping a bunch of different startups. So you did that. So, cause I think it's, cause I mean, that's a dilemma that a lot of uh, people that want to be in the startups or, or run their own business, right? That's that either I can't afford it or I don't want to leave the job security or I don't want to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so you end up staying at the job, you know, the bigger business or the bigger job out of wanting to have that financial security. You're wanting to know the pages coming in because you're not, you know, you're not sure if your startup idea will make it and how to do it and how long it will take and how much it will cost. And so, you know, so how was it, you know, jumping back just a little bit, and I get it was, you know, kind of 10 before the 10 years, but, you know, working the side hustle, trying to get the startups going, working with them and doing the full-time job, you know, how did you manage it or how did you juggle that? Um, I, you know, you, your life becomes your work at that stage. Uh, so it was 
wake up early, go to bed late. Uh, and that's really how I, I manage it. I just work all day and night because I could at the time. Um, and it is challenging. And the reason why, you know, I, I, and it's not for everyone, but I can tell you that I couldn't get where I wanted to at a big company. I had to have a degree, right? I, I, I didn't go to college. I, I couldn't. I was forced to work right out of high school to help family and keep housing and all that other stuff up. And I didn't have time to... Uh, uh, go on and have a, get a degree. And, and, and when I have the experience, I know I could, I could do the job as like a director level person or whatever it is. And you apply for those jobs, you're getting automatically screened out at that stage. This was a while ago. Now they're looking past uh, uh, degrees, but then that's a hundred percent. If you don't have a degree and it's listed on there, they automatically filter around regardless if you have a bunch of experience or however good you are, even though I could run circles around a guy next to me in an interview, I wouldn't even get that opportunity. So then I got, how do I do that? And that's where startups came to mind. They just, they wanted the experience. They didn't care about degree. If you could do it and you can hit the ground running and do a bunch of things, then, hey, you're on board as a startup. They don't give a crap about your degree. Uh, and that's, if, they pay, if they could pay it cheaper, they could get great experience without the, yeah. <laughs> the pay for the, 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 the college degrees in the meantime. So, no, I completely agree. So. Exactly. So, and that's what it was. That's what really did it. And, I got, and as soon as I got into it, I was really, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is fun. I know I can build myself. I can grow up. I can grow with the company. Think about it. You start ground floor, like the fifth, seventh, less than 10th higher. You can really make something great out of it potentially, right? And, and, be on, uh, and grow yourself with it. Almost set your own career path. Uh, with other big companies, you couldn't. That's why I chose the startup life. So you chose the startup life, and you know, it sounds like around ten years ago, or ten years or so ago, you said, "Okay, I'm going to make this the full time hustle, or I'm going to make it, you know, the the thing where I'll I'll do consulting, I'll work for some of the startups, and between the aggregate of doing it for enough of them, I can make a living or I can make an income." So then, how did that how did that switch to you know where did that lead you to where you're at today of actually doing a full time startup or doing your own hustle and you know how did that how did you kind of make that transition? Yeah, so the last few companies, I mean, which you, when you get in early and you help build and scale them, and 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 one of them was a kind of a, we worked really we the entire team hustled to get like a the last an acquisition, right? I mean, it wasn't on the plan. A couple of years after I joined, hmm. uh, team was amazing. That new team built a great product great customers all the combined efforts of everyone from recruiting and marketing they put that company at the top of the map and got linkedin uh, to see them and acquire them and then what i realized after that was just when when you when you go through that process it feels like this is great but god it wasn't my thing <laughs> and, and and i i feel like that's all i've been doing for the past decade is helping everyone else build their companies and i have a tremendous amount of experience in my head just ready to go why not do my own? And my passion, I love people. I love working with people. I love talking to, like when you interview and you recruit and you try and build that team, I love that part of the job. Mm -hmm. uh, and I figured uh, uh, it's about time that I, I get into a space that I, I feel like I was very comfortable in. I knew it very well. I have a lot of industry connections in this space. And, uh, and I've worked with a ton of recruiters over the years and we talked and brainstormed. And I'm like, hey, this is it. I'm going to go build this product, Chatterworks, and I'm going to launch on my own. I'm going to really put my foot down. I'm old enough. I've got a family. It's about time I do something for my future, my, my, my stability going forward instead of bouncing around. Because you don't know, I might join the next startup and who knows, well, they, like two of them, uh, well, so Airware moved on me uh, to San Francisco. Connectify was acquired, moved to, by LinkedIn back over to Mountain View. I helped Airbus launch a uh, division and they required me to move to Atlanta. Uh, so it's like all these companies are just leaving my grasp and, and now I'm stuck always starting over. Uh, and that's not what I wanted anymore. I was way too, I'm too old to be starting over all the time with the <laughs> 
So, so is that really the tipping point then? Is so after enough of you know, enjoyed working for the other startups, or it was you know it was gratifying. But one is you wanted to have any control, and two is they kept leaving or moving to a different place, so to speak. And you're saying, hey, this is where we want to live. This is where we put set down roots and establish. And so you're saying, I'm going to take the reins, and rather than keep having them having to start over, I'm going to do my own thing. Is that kind of what led where where it led? Absolutely. To I I wanted to start in Orange County. I was born I was raised I was born here in Southern California, but I was raised in Orange County. I wanted to uh, Orange County. Startup funded by some uh, OC investors and build it here and keep it here, and uh, that was the goal. And we we got it so far. <laughs> so it's uh, it's 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 a fun ride so far. So so how did you so with that motivation you're saying okay love the startup life I can't keep having all the businesses that I work so hard to build be out of my control leave or move or whatever and then I you know I have to start over. So how did you come up with you know Chatterworks or how did you land on what you're going to do for the business today? Um, it was mainly what uh, I, you know, you, when, you, when you look at starting your product, you're thinking like, what kind of, what problem can I solve? Um, and then I, for me, it's always been recruiting. No matter how many tools are out there, there's, it's always recruiting. It's always, to me, when I go into a company, yeah, you want to get things organized. You want to help the sales process get in place. You want to help the finances. But, but in order to do that, it's always been, you got to have the, the A talent team on board. And, and you got to figure out how to get that team. And I learned quite a bit at Connectify or what those tools do for you. Uh, when Connectify built that platform, it was amazing. We did a lot of our recruiting actually out of that platform. Um, and, and obviously, we use some ATS components. But, but once I realized how important passive information is, you know, phone numbers, emails, being able to curate messages and communicate directly uh, versus trying to send, you know, the, you know an in-mail, which some people don't read anymore. Uh, majority of people actually don't read emails now. I've sent so many emails and, and you're not getting responses. Um, and whether they think it's a bot or whatever it is, right? So being able to have those phone numbers, those emails really opened my eyes to, to that kind of recruiting efforts. I looked at all the tools that are out there. I know there are plenty of tools that give you the data, um, but it's, it's what you do with that data, right? I, I can call myself AI and give you a ton of data, but it's really not useful intelligence for the recruiting industry. It's not really useful artificial intelligence, what we're, we're calling a UAI. And that's what kind of triggered, like, how do we build something that gives really useful intelligence to recruiters and people looking for work and not just say, I'm giving this to you and it really doesn't help you in your job, but give you the same stuff everyone else is giving you. Um, and that's kind of how this came about. And then I started meeting with some OC people, talking to a bunch of recruiters over the last year or so, figuring out how to kind of get to where we are today with our extent, with our launch. Uh, and that's how kind of Chatterworks was born. So you, you have the company born. So, you know, you came up with the idea, I'm going to stay in recruiting, which is what you enjoy, what you want to do and what you, you know, where your expertise lies and what you, you feel you're good at. And then you went and talked to a lot of people, talked to people in Orange County, you talked to venture funds. And so now you, 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 you decided you made the leap. You've done all of that homework. How has it gone since you started it? Has it been a rocket ship <laughs> and taken off? No, no, no. Everything no. that you've ever dreamed of. It was of? a slow start. <laughs> So regardless of the team I put together, uh, which is an amazing, like very industry, I mean, focused team advisors and entrepreneurs that have proven successful in their careers. Um, and, and even with my background too, helping build and scale certain startups, um, the investment side was uh, challenging. Um, and the reason why is uh, what, I, what I learned after six months of hard trying to get this initial, initial what we call seed round, I guess we'll call it, um, was that when Connectifier got acquired, everyone in the world started opening up all these tools. Like, oh, cool, let's get into the space. Like, let's get into the recruiting space and build all these tools. And then um, all these venture firms invested in a lot of recruiting space, tech space, HR tech space, hmm. and none of them 
all of them pretty much tanked. Majority of them just went down the tube. So they lost all their money. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars down the tube and everyone jumping on the bandwagon of this recruiting tech space. So me not realizing that was the issue, I went, oh, cool, I got the perfect product. I have a ton of recruiters already on board, a huge network. I have great advisors and team and ready to go. We already have a, uh, uh, the initial product was already, pro well, actually, I would call it like our alpha product was kind of developed already. And I'm mm. going to go out funding. There's no way I can't get this. I know a lot of people, <laughs> even all the people I knew were like, I can't, they're just, the space is just not, not, not good for them. Um, and, and we need, in order for anyone to start investing in that space again, they want to see a ton of traction. So they're, so you can be a, a college kid coming out with some great tech idea in the Bay Area and someone will fund you with $10 million. But with all our experience, background, and everything we're doing because of the space we're in, and we're going to do pre-launch, pre-revenue, uh, it was like almost like untouchable at that stage. Uh, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to raise a friends and family round, uh, which I did. We raised about a few hundred thousand friends and family round. Uh, built this thing out. I met with Carrie uh, uh, Ransom uh, from OC4 Ventures now. Uh, he was talking about forming a new fund here in OC, trying to think the way OC thinks about venture funding. Mm -hmm. uh, and I worked with him probably over the last, uh, I'd say, eight months solid before we really got to an investment point, just because they were building their fund out. We were strategizing how we would do it and all that good stuff. And he was truly a good mentor, advisor, and, and one guy, and uh, very well connected in this area. Um, so it was a challenge at first until I kind of met Kerry. I, I knew I could, eventually I was just going to do it, right? I could bootstrap it. I could keep going with my friends and family, but I didn't want to keep asking friends and family for money uh, mm. to build this out, even though we had it. Um, I knew what we needed to do in order to take it to the next level. And that was what my goal was, was to get that instead of keep trying to raise friends and family money. Mm. Um, I fought, we, we fought, we struggled hard. Uh, it was slow because we were just using fun, family funds to uh, build this out. Um, so it was very challenging. You know, I walked into it thinking, there, you know, people are going to believe in what we're doing. We have the perfect team. We have the perfect product. We have the perfect, we even had, you know, hundreds of people uh, saying, Hey, I'm ready to use this and I'll pay for it. <laughs> and, and that still didn't work. <laughs> so yeah, it was very, it was tough at first. Hmm. So, so then you have to deal with those hurdles. You eventually, I, I assume you did the friends and family round, then you got the, the OC venture fund that uh, put in some money, got things going, got it to a point that you could start to grow it or you could have your, minimally viable product or what that is that where you're at today is it have you got it launched or is it still in process of launch yeah so we have we have a uh a, a, a private uh access only launch so we have probably about 50 people on it right now uh they're just testing it out for us making sure i mean we have a pretty long list of people waiting to use the platform but I'm, my thing is i want to release something that's really functional um and i know that can actually display some of the tools they're using and paying for now because we're here to help right i'm not here to nickel and dime people in this industry. There's a, there's a million plus recruiters and why not help provide a tool that can help all companies find people and help our economy jumpstart and so forth. So we're, we're here to help and we wanna make sure we provide that right tool at the right price point. Uh, so initially we're not charging, uh, but we will be come say in like six to 12 months or so. All right, no, it makes sense. So one question I had and a bit of a tangent, but I think it's within your wheelhouse is, you know, so I see, and this is now just play, or play the employer side, you know, you have a few different ways that you can go find talent, right? One is obviously you can go and ask any or ask the people you know or people you're aware of that are in your in your in your close network and see either if they're interested or if they know of anybody, which is usually, in my opinion, maybe the most successful. If you can find people that are that you know that are that you've established have a good relationship with that you know their talent, usually the best. And but that, that sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on who, <laughs> or who's available. But then you kind of have the stratus of you can almost go two ways, which are, you know. 
I would say on any given week or month on LinkedIn, you get a whole bunch of recruiters opinion, say, hey, let, you know, can I help you find one? And then you also have what I'll call, you know, the, the AI or the zip recruiters or those different things. And so, you know, which way do you see the industry going? Is it still going to have that human touch and it's going to be, hey, and I still need someone to do the cold calls or to do the reach out? And is there the personal recruiter the best? Or is it going to go more of technology and, hey, we're going to help you find somebody and identify them and do the work in the background using technology? Or is it going to be a combination of both? I think it's going to be a definitely a combination of both. There's no way, at least to me, my opinion is there's no way you're getting rid of the personal touch because I am not going to sit there and talk to a message bot all day or an email thing and not hear a voice and explain to me, you know, the, the, this, the, the opportunity or why I should join this company and, and talk to that person, see how knowledgeable they are about the company. As a recruiter, here's the thing, a recruiter defines the, the job essentially, right? I mean, you're, you're the first person that company sees, uh, that person, that candidate hears and sees. So, you have to be, if you're not a good recruiter, then there's no way I feel confident and even discuss an opportunity, right? I mean, you could tell by speaking to a recruiter, do they know their stuff? Do they know the job? Do they know the company? Do they know the people, the culture, all that good stuff very well? Uh, you can't get that across all these, no matter how intelligent your bots or messaging gets, uh, there's no way you can tell that. You can always have the combination on the back end run and help the recruiters identify, right? Mm -hmm. Identify uh, the best times to contact, the, the type of individual they are, and, and, and show them all the social information so they know how to kind of curate those messages and help them tailor it. But that you're, it's going to be very difficult to always take away that personal response out of a recruiter, the human, human being person of it, aspect of it. All right. No, it definitely makes sense. So. So now as you take where you guys are at today, what's the next six to 12 months look for you guys? Where do you think things are headed? Yeah, so for us, the next six to 12 months, our goal is to get to a uh, a thousand recruiters on our platform. And also for us, our, our product side is releasing our entire, uh, we call our UAI suite, our intelligence suite, uh, which is helping recruiters understand the, the best platform to communicate with candidates on um, the average time of days these candidates may be available to, uh, to communicate with. Um, kind of sentiment analysis to understand the type of individual and culture type they are so you know how to kind of tailor that response. So this is the kind of automation I was talking about on the back end where you provide all this information, real intelligence and real helpful insights so the recruiter can then curate that perfect message to the perfect platform for them. All so right. that's our goal is to have that intelligence suite launched. All right. Sounds like an awesome goal to me. So, all right. Well, as we get towards the end of the podcast, I always ask two questions. So, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made? Uh, so I would say business decision is tough because as, as a right hand to founders, uh, you always have to go through different uh, approvals to get a lot of things done. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me overall, I can say from my experience, any business decision that I made would have been poor communication. And I can tell, I can own up to that. It's meaning that when I come into a startup, I'm like, okay, cool. The founder needs to be focused on strategy, big picture and product and stuff. Mm. I need to take care of the rest. So then I go take on that burden of, of the rest. And uh, it's always been like, I don't need to bother them with that. But instead you need to communicate and let them know so they understand the business, where you're going, any challenges, all that stuff. And I would always try and be that kind of, you know, the Rottweiler at the gates and, and try and, protect when I in my head I'm thinking you're protecting the founder from all these issues when in all reality you're 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 causing more issues by not communicating uh, and trying to deal with it on your own so for me that's happened across a couple where I just I finally broke that habit I'll tell you that <laughs> but it, it took a while to get there and that always uh, I can speak back on it now and say I know that was a problem a business decision business problem um, and it affects a lot of things uh, when you don't communicate well especially when you're running all the operations in the organization 
Um, All right. No, it makes, makes perfect sense. And that's a, one that's a, it's an easy mistake for a lot of us to learn. And even when, you know, communication is a hard one because, you know, and I've founded and co-founded some companies and I have people that work for me and whatnot. And, you know, I'm always, I have a very busy schedule. So, you know, if you're not, if you're always trying to gauge, they're always trying to gauge when is the right time to come knock on the door or relay a message and <laughs> how much you should relay and how much you should not, they don't know, they don't need to tell you and they just need to get taken care of. So I think it's always a, a, a balance that you have to find, but making sure you get that right amount of communication so that the people that are running the company that are making the decisions are able to make the, make an informed decision or know what's going on while not having to get into details when they don't need. So I think that's a, a good lesson. Absolutely. You may not think it's needed, but I promise you that is a big business problem if communication isn't there. Yep. So, all right. So we jump on now to the second question, which is, so you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or small business, just starting out. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, so for me, you know, it's, you probably hear this a lot, actually. Getting to a startup is exciting, but it's also scary. Like when I did it myself, when I was the actual founder, the owner, the CEO of the company responsible for everything and all the money and how you build the product and scale goes in, it becomes scary. Uh, you're no longer that right-hand person because you always have somebody taking care of it. You are that person. Um, so always, you know, you got to be organized and, and understand, you know, I've been taught quite a bit, even from OC4 guys, is about the product fit, right? I mean, it's great to get in the startup and you have this great idea, but before you go willy-nilly into all of it and go spend a bunch of money and resources, make sure that you actually have a problem you're solving and not something in your head that you think you're solving because um, I know at the very beginning oh yeah I, I'll tell you this at the very beginning I, I, I thought I solved a big problem by building this all-in-one ecosystem for startups um, and and because I knew all the problems as an operations guy everything you need to do but that, again that was my problem while solving but I wasn't solving the world's problem that's how you kind of pivot to where you're going so make sure you understand what you're really solving if it really is a problem that's visible across the the spectrum. No, I think that makes great sense. And it's always identifying that problem, identifying what if it's a problem that's just for you. And if you solve that and nobody else wants it, then it's not going to be yeah. a good <laughs> project for you to get done, but not necessarily for other people to get done. And, you know, and I, I do agree that one other thing you said is that, you know, it is a much different different shoes to fill when you're actually the one making the decisions when there isn't somebody else you get you can go ask the questions to there isn't someone else that if it, the decision is wrong that you can say well i didn't make the decision or anything else so even if you work closely there is a much different feel to a startup when you're actually the person in charge so i agree on both of those and think that they're both good pieces of advice so well, people want to check out Chatterworks. I know you're kind of more on the private side, but as you either, you know, if they want to sign up, they want to know more, they want to reach out, they want to use the tool, or they just want to be informed with, as it goes live, what would be the best way to connect with you? Uh, so this way, you can just, uh, you can sign up if you want on our, on our splash page. We have chatterworks.com. Um, or you can just email me. Just, uh, everyone can have my email. It's my first name, Shafir at chatterworks.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-F as in Frank, I-U-R at chatterworks.com. So you can get all of me. My email is open to everyone if you want to chat. <laughs> all right. Well, I definitely, if you're looking to invest, you're looking to get a job, you're looking to sign up, you're looking to find hires or anything else, certainly reach out to you. So um, thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to hear your journey. Uh, for those of you that are looking to tell your own journey, we always welcome uh, or people to come on the podcast that have a great journey to tell. You can go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. 
And for those of you that are listeners and you caught this episode or any of the other ones, make sure to subscribe so you can get a notification when each new episode goes live. And uh, certainly if you need any help with uh, patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to hear your journey. And I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. I appreciate it, Devin. Thanks for having me. All right.